on today's docket for Cordially Indicted. For I think most people, they want to be able to do their research before having to reach out instead of having to reach out to tons and tons of vendors just to get what they would consider basic information. I think that products are different than services. If you have an object or a space, a rental item, you can assign a value to that that is going to either not change or change very minimally. The whole reason that pricing is so hard to, I guess, confine for a service is because a service could fluctuate almost infinitely. You are cordially indicted. Welcome to the courthouse, a place where we walk the line between couples planning their biggest day ever and the professionals who make it happen. Meet your counsel and co-host, Rachel Willis, a wedding planner, and Kelsey Williams, a wedding designer. The world is evolving and weddings are no exception. Navigating this industry can be as challenging as it is rewarding, and there's a lot of information out there. We're here to set the record straight and give our best counsel as you plan for the big day, no matter which side you're on. We're going to give it to you straight. This is a safe place for honest conversations surrounding potentially controversial topics in the wedding world. Be prepared for some strong opinions and harsh truths, but above all, a desire to bring clarity to an otherwise enigmatic industry. Feel free to reach your own verdict. And remember, we don't mean a judge. Allegedly. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. We are here on episode four of Cordially Indicted. Super wow. excited. <laughs> Yay. Well, today's episode is a really fun one. We have another gorgeous special guest with us who we will introduce to you in just a second. We are going to be covering the topic of pricing on websites. So this is going to be a heavily vendor-influenced episode. Clients, I'm sure there's still something that you can learn, um, but vendors definitely perk up for this one and, and and lean in to all the things that we'll be discussing. It's going to be hot. So yes. It's going to be spicy. <laughs> Exciting. Um, but yes, we are joined today by our lovely friend, Emily Lee of By Emily Jane. Say hello, Emily. Hello. <laughs> I'm so excited to be one of the first guests on your show. Yes. It was always going to be this way. I hope you know. You're setting a high precedent. <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> so Emily is the creative force behind Web Design Studio by Emily Jane. With a passion for helping wedding pros live comfortably doing work they love, Emily has worked one-on-one with over 70 small businesses worldwide. An educator and former photographer, she's known for helping creatives stand out through personality-based design that converts. Emily has been featured in outlets such as HoneyBook, AACWP, and the Wedding Summit series. When she's not building websites, she's typically sipping a strawberry banana smoothie and watching the Great British Bake Off. Get ready to elevate your web game with Emily's relaxed and fun approach to website strategy. You can find Emily online at buyemilyjane.com and at buyemilyjane on Instagram. (laughs) Welcome, Emily. That's my friend. Thank you, Kelsey. You are great at actually both of you are really great at like reading these things and making it sound super professional. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. I've had a couple of 
impromptu or like unplanned public speaking situations in my life. Like when I was an orientation leader and they like stuck me on the microphone to tell the parents to let go of their students' hands. And like, cause there was a lot of activities I had to do separately. You really, they really encourage parents not to come to orientation with the students, but if you must come, they had like separate things. And I always would deliver that. And afterwards they'd be like, you should be a news reporter. <laughs> like you should have you ever thought of like delivering, like being a news anchor or something. I'm like, not really. No, but I just, I don't know. I guess I know how to talk. There you go. Mm-hmm. We've discovered your fallback at the ripe old age of 28. <laughs> ripe. <laughs> We're going to get some finger shakes for that one. <laughs> but yes. Um, All right. Emily, we just like to, we're going to start doing better at making sure that we have our guests explain what gives them the audacity to talk on this topic and Mm. why you are a perfect candidate to talk all things, obviously website, but specifically pricing on websites, because as you and I have discussed before, it seems to be a pretty hot topic in the wedding world specifically, you know, give us your audacity. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, I, I love doing websites for and with, uh, wedding pros and it, it, this question of, should I put my prices on my website, um, as the business owner, it just comes up over and over and over again. And there's always different answers, interestingly enough. So, um, it's something that I've been interested in. I, uh, for a while now, and I ended up creating a quiz about it. Um, that's on my website. If you want to go take it and see like what, what result you get that tells you like whether or not you should put your pricing or how much of the information to give away. And, um, that's because I realized that I kind of feel like it's a really complicated topic that doesn't just have one answer. And I'll just leave it at that for now. But it's also something that I've been, um, seeing like studies have been showing that the couple's really want to see on vendors websites like the vast majority of people that's what they're asking for right now and I actually recently asked about it in a Facebook group that had both couples and vendors in it and it sparked this like big debate (laughs) with with over 100 comments I actually didn't ask about pricing I said hey guys what grinds your gears when it comes to wedding vendors websites and most people were like, when they don't have pricing, then the vendors chimed in and they were all talking about what they do and why they do it this way. So again, there's just like so many different things to talk about with this. I love that. Well, that's why we're here as we are trying to mediate between clients and vendors. That's the whole point of this podcast is to try and create a safe space where we can talk about these things and hopefully give everybody the tools to end up in a better position than they were before. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And that includes the clients too. Cause like, I think this could be a really interesting conversation for them to hear maybe why some people don't put their pricing mm-hmm. and that they're not just trying to like be sneaky or something. Right. Yes. We're, we are trying to il- illuminate that most things in this industry, most, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but most things are for a very specific and actually beneficial reason. We're trying to not mislead you or, you know, there's certain things that are in place because there's professionals who have been doing it for a long time. So just, it feels like, again, like a big part of this podcast has been trying to illuminate the fact that 
there's some things that are standard operating procedure in the wedding industry that come across as being non-transparent or somehow a little bit, I guess, maybe even come across dishonest, but it's really, there's really a very, very solid and very easy to, maybe not easy to explain, but there's an explanation for everything. In theory. (laughs) We hope. (laughs) Let's try. Let's do our best. So what's happening, y'all? What, Rachel, I'll start with you since you're at the top left of my screen. <laughs> what's, how, how, are you, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm currently in the Valley. So we're recording remotely. But um, it's today's a hot day. You know, I got welcomed by T-Mobile to Mexico. There's my grandma's telephone. Because <laughs> she does still have a landline. She still has a landline. Oh, my gosh. And it's always going off. I'm yes, so queen. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I barely heard it, so I don't think it'll be like a huge problem. Okay, good. Great. Um, but yeah, no. So down here, spending time with family, roasting, roasting my butt off, and um, yeah, just working remotely, plugging along, all the good things. How about you? Well, I actually wanted to bring up this weekend. We tried something that we think will be kind of cool. When Rachel or I have, uh, in real life events. We're going to try to share a little bit of behind the scenes of those on the Cordially Indicted Instagram page. So Rachel was fortunate enough to have a double header. Oh, that's right. Um, I've already moved on. <laughs> and I thought you were mentally have. trying to recover, <laughs> which is good, which is fine. Um, Rachel had a wedding on Saturday and Sunday. I was fortunate to assist her on both, but we covered uh, Saturday's wedding on Instagram stories, and we'll try to give like, quick tips and tricks and things that we're actually implementing. So you know that we practice what we preach here. Um, and you'll get to see some of the behind the scenes of some of our really fun events that we do for our jobs, our actual working part of this whole thing. So keep that in mind. I don't know if we'll be able to like shout it out or always hesitate because wedding days can get kind of hectic. So sometimes the priority, the first priority um, is not capturing Instagram footage, but we will do our best to be as um, open with that as we can. And you may just get a surprise on a weekend. Sometimes you'll see us post into the story. So just keep that in mind. We may. I love that. Yeah. We're going to try it and do a little more interacting from a non just advertising the podcast itself front we're gonna when there are significant pop culture moments we are gonna try to do uh, a little post or memes or something like that about it so we do have an oscars the oscar memes were great after the after super bowl (laughs) went so well uh we did oscars version so check that out because that is posted the other thing is going to be on stories but yes that's that was our past weekend all those fun things like weddings and oscars and all the good stuff i'm i'm doing good me personally a very low-key week for me which i'm totally fine with i am here in dallas still so just holding down the fort i guess while (laughs) until i (laughs) redescend while we're back while she's back doing family stuff and yeah, having a good time overall. Got some really fun things coming up that I can't wait to share when I can share them. Ooh. You and Ooh. Sam just celebrated yeah. your anniversary, right? We did. Yeah. Hey, Me and happy Sam. anniversary because I didn't Thank tell you, you on the day. <laughs> Sorry. 
we've been together three years. So that was, we actually, you know what? Yesterday we went to Portillo's. Mm. Are y'all, do you know what Portillo's is? The hot dog? No. Mm-hmm. It's, at, oh. it's a Chicago-based chain that yeah. does like Chicago dogs and roast beef what sandwiches. And I thought it was good. We were in a line out the door of that went down the sidewalk a little bit. Yes. Um, But, and we thought we were smart going on because yesterday was Wednesday. We were recording this on a Thursday. Uh, we thought we were smart, but it's also spring break. So oh. a lot of people were still out. It wasn't, it, they moved very fast. It's one of those places that they know they're going to be busy. So they like have a system and they are really moving you through the line. But it was a good experience. It was really clean. Everybody was really nice. The food is really good. It is in the colony. So <laughs> if you don't take tolls, you have a 45 minute drive ahead of you. Um, so that. I'm I'm still trying to figure out. Sam is a big like Chicago dog lover, so that's why we went. I'm trying to figure out if I am willing to drive 45 minutes for it again. Listen, if he's willing to ch- go to Chicken Salad Chick for you, you okay. should be willing to go to Portillos for him. <laughs> that's Portillos, right. Portillos. I don't know. Ah, I think it's Port. Maybe it is Portillos. You know, it might Portillos be is very Mexican. Portillos. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was shocked to hear it was not a Mexican. Not restaurant. Mexican Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry. Shout out Portillos. It was delicious. It was great. Thank you so much for coming to Texas because I think we will definitely be back. But maybe if y'all want to scooch towards Dallas a little more, we'll be back more often. <laughs> Post up right by Hattie B's. Yeah, Emily. Right there. <laughs> yeah, Emily. Yeah. What's going on in your life? Um, well, I am fresh back from a trip to California, which was lovely, um, for my niece's first birthday. I love her. <laughs> Little Noelle. Um, she's the cutest. And, um, but yeah, so I'm easing back into work now and I'm trying to find time to redesign my website because um yeah I'm doing I'm basically uh doing an entire brand refresh and so it's a huge project it's taking me forever but (laughs) but I think it's probably going to be like my favorite thing that I my favorite website I've ever designed which is awesome because I'm I really want it to show what I can do more than what my current website does I feel so um yeah, I feel like it's super important to get it right. Um, so I'm excited to launch that hopefully in the coming months, next couple of months, probably. I can't wait to see it. And then so to excited. bug you to redo mine again. <laughs> Emily, <laughs> anytime, <my> girl. <laughs> so all of you who have complimented me on my website is because of Emily, because Lord knows when I went through and did it myself, it was absolutely not giving. <laughs> Have Emily gave me some great things. Yeah, I thought I've told oh, you a good. couple of those. Yeah. Okay, yes. That's no, nice I've had several people say that my website is really nice and that is due to you. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And you also had beautiful branding from CC New York that really helped it sparkle for sure. We love some CC Johnson here on this pod. <laughs> oh my gosh. Girl. <laughs> like, she's another I one guess. of my OG follows. Like when I was like, who do I need to actually like when I started my like company page she was one of the original people that I followed because I just you just have to Mm -hmm. yeah big Mm -hmm. big fans of Cece though 
Well, having wrapped up girl talk in record time, <laughs> that is amazing. I, it's I because think- we're not drinking this time. <laughs> It, the shenanigans of last episode, I could not even, I almost wish we had started recording because I feel like you just have to have been there to believe it. Um, we ended up with a little bit of a mishap where Corinne, at this point, completely sober, just the chairs that we were using in their office are very slippery or lightweight, I'll say. So it's one of those where if you hit it, if you go to sit down and you hit it at the wrong spot, it just, it just over. went yeah. It just oh, went no. out from under her, but she was holding her first glass of wine. <laughs> so it was red wine that just went, ah! like she just toppled. The wine, oh I've never seen like a further radius of catastrophe from a wine spill. <laughs> like, right. From went- the epicenter, it went <laughs> everywhere. Like, it and she was so walls, good. It was on desk, me. Carpet, it covered her completely. <laughs> It was everywhere, chairs, everything. Just we were like, (laughs) and it was red, (laughs) and our entire office is white. (laughs) It was, but it was fine. It all came off. It was great. Um, (laughs) so we like touch on it in the last episode, but like it was quite a thing. It was really something. And we smelled wine the whole time. Sober, completely. All of us were at this point. We were just moving around and just missed. She missed the chair and yeah no one's gonna believe that i know i know you know we just it literally it'll be our not our little secret but like we're the three of us will be the only people that know it's really a fond happened. memory that lives rent-free in my brain yes yes so well rachel you know what time it is is it disclaimer time i think it might be disclaimer time all right Rachel and Kelsey, and today Emily will have differing opinions from time to time, as will you. The intent of the pod is not to offend, but to inform and educate as to how your decisions affect not only the professionals involved, but you, your partner, your family, and everyone affiliated with the success of your wedding. We know this is emotional. Weddings are emotional. And as always, we welcome you to make your own judgment. And these are just our opinions to garner an open discussion. Woo! Nice. Getting better. Great. Well, with that, we officially call this episode to order. So as I mentioned at the beginning, this episode is all about pricing on websites and specifically, should you as a vendor list your pricing for your service or product on your website? Again, we want vendors to listen really close to this, but I think there's so much to be learned that clients would get a lot out of this conversation as well. So do not click away if you're not a vendor, definitely think that you can be more educated and understand a little bit more the point of view of the different options that we'll be covering today. But yes, this is something that I'll say when I first started my business and like was actually launching my website in 2015, I suppose it was, I waffled a little bit between saying outright what my pricing was because it was what I was accustomed to from any other service perspective, not like weddings, notwithstanding any other time you're looking for information about a service or a product, you're typically going to a website, whether that's you're going to restaurant websites, you can see the pricing of the menu, you're going to purchase a pair of shoes. You're just kind of accustomed to that transaction of I get on website and then I receive information about pricing and things that I'm looking for. What I started to notice though, of course, in building my company and building my website, of course, I'm going to take inspiration and 
cues from other people in my industry. And I started noticing that a lot of the planners did not list their pricing on their website. They said some verbiage to the extent of like, there was maybe a tab that said investment or services or pricing or Q and a, what have you. And they had some sort of verbiage that said, we believe in a custom approach. We treat every wedding as an individual entity. And so therefore we like to get in contact with you and hear a little bit more about what your expectations are for the day before we're giving out pricing. Um, something along those lines, of course, worded much more website-y for lack of a better term. But I think for a while, I can't remember, I honestly wish that I could dig and find that information since, but I've changed my website and it's still like the original host. Um, but I think that there may, when I initially built the website, I think my pricing was on it. I think that I had also to, to be fair, I had, um, set pricing for each package. It was very much flat rate. And that is a lot, how a lot of vendors start out anyway. So that's kind of my introduction as far as what, what I started out with, but that is different. I would say now I'm in a point of transition. So there is no website to speak of because I'm transitioning my business. However, I started out with it, I believe, and then ended up not having it after I realized that this whole thing and where I was hoping to go in this industry was going to take me in a direction that was a lot more bespoke and a lot more custom. Nice. I'm trying to remember. I think I may at one point have had a starting point on mine, but I, like, I, it was a very brief kind of like trial situation. And I would say it's before. <clears throat> Before I got discovered. So I <laughs> I don't know if that's a if that was a good marker, but I I did it very briefly just to have like a starting point and to see, but I am firmly in the camp of at least for me. And I think the important thing is that this discussion is to help people figure out what is best for them and their business and what makes sense for them and their business. This isn't like a, here's a right or wrong answer. But as far as for me personally, I have just found that as even when I'm working with clients, if I give them a ballpark or a rough starting point on like any vendor, doesn't even have to be me. But if I'm like, you know, here's this florist, this is the rough number that I'm, you know, guesstimating. Even if that's not accurate and it's, and I tell them like, Hey, it's probably not going to be this, that number's already in their brain and that's what they're expecting. So like having a, a price on my website, I think was not allowing me flexibility to give them then another price that would potentially be a little bit different. Cause like I may have put, okay, starting price is X dollars, but then after we have a consultation and I get into the nitty gritty of everything. And if all of a sudden I realize like, oh, the scope of your wedding is entirely different than what my starting point actually reflects, then like that can be a big sticker shock and kind of a turnoff. And then it, I almost feel like it would be more of this kind of icky feeling of like, well, they showed this price on their website, but then they quoted us like three times as much, you know? So I personally like to explain why I, why I am the way that I am before giving people the actual hard numbers so that they can be a little bit more educated on 
why things cost the way that they do specifically for me and all that because I am percentage based so that's I don't want to get like too into the whole percentage structure yeah, we'll have at an least episode on this on... episode but yes yes yeah but because of that it allows me to kind of scale everything um but it was hard because it's like how do you either pre-qualify clients or how do you pre-qualify yourself like and I even go to other websites for vendors just to see like if they happen to have it on there for the sake of like is this person even in budget for things that I'm doing but I would say like for me at least it makes more sense for me not to just have it listed but I do have a range drop down menu on mine that kind of signals like overall wedding investment that you mean I'm, on your contact form yes that I'm accustomed to working with or that like the typical budgets that I'm used to working with and that drop down menu I think is kind of a half version to pre-qualify because at a certain point there's only so much I can do within certain budgets so my drop down serves as kind of a rough signal like okay this is kind of the starting point of the ones that I can do something with I guess and that has seemed to work for me pretty well um but I'm interested to see if there's something I can do that's even better so when you have the drop down menu is that like are you also using that as like a minimum marker like there's nothing on that drop down menu or like are you covering every conceivable budget in that drop down menu or is it just the budgets that you personally work with tend to Pers work with the ones I personally work with the ones that I think that I can do my best work in so like the drop down that I have is kind of a starting point for what I assume would be about 100 people the <clears> issue <throat> is that's not really like super detailed out in the thing yeah. and it's because it's really hard to kind of like do an explanation of all these details and like how guest count plays into it and you know your venue plays into it and it's really hard to put that out there without overwhelming people with a ton of information that they don't understand unless you are actually like walking them through it so that they can ask questions because mm -hmm. I feel like if you just have something on there that leaves a lot of open interpretation and then people just get confused and then it's like I don't know if it actually like helps so my drop down is like the starting minimum point for just a guesstimate about a hundred people. And part of the reason I did that is because I have a hard time saying no. So I found that I, I was getting those inquiries and I would, you know, I wanted to help. That's why I got into this is because I like helping people. And then it gets kind of tough to try and like, to say no when those are coming through. So I was trying to just stop getting so many inquiries basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great thing. Okay, so basically what you're saying is like you figured out what your what matters to you and like what your values are and what you want to what you're willing to work with and then you found the problems that you want to avoid and then you found the strategy for your website that helps you do that. So that's kind of like that's what's so hard about this question is that that's going to be different for everybody. Mm -hmm. So like it that's why in case it wasn't clear my stance on this overall is that it's a com it's completely individual to you and I no longer align with the like business coaches out there who say like never put your pricing on your website and I no longer align with 
the people out there who say, you know, you should always have pricing on your website because there's really like, there's like multiple questions you have to ask yourself. So anyway, we can get into like what those kind of questions or criteria are and how those are kind of pros and cons if you want. Is your questionnaire, is it one of your freebies? Yes, it is. Okay. Was it something that you would, and I want people to take advantage of this because her freebies are awesome. So please direct your attention to her website by emilyjane.com to take advantage of things like that. But if you don't mind, can you talk about a little bit, some of the questions that you're asking people to get that conversation started within their self to figure out what those needs are that they're trying to meet? Sure. So yeah, the first thing I would ask is like, what kind of clients are you currently attracting? And do you want to change that? So when I say what kind of clients, I really mean like there's different markets in the wedding industry, right? And so of course there's different people that have vastly different budgets. And so as a business owner, you have to think about, am I catering my business and my marketing and my services and my prices to, you know, the type of demographic that really has a limited budget and they know exactly what they can and can't afford for their wedding? Or am I trying to gear my business towards people who could work with pretty much any vendor their heart desires because money is not really an object for them? Or am I somewhere in between? So that's kind of the first thing I would think about. Um, Because like I mentioned earlier, the average person right now, the average engaged person is demanding basic information on websites. That's just what we're hearing constantly. And therefore, I would say the average vendor should probably be doing that, to be honest, because that's just the majority of people. That's what they're looking for. And um, and so I would say that's that's kind of a safe bet. Um, And again, you don't have to list exact pricing. You can do an indication. You can do something like what Rachel's doing, where even just saying like, these are the different um, wedding budgets that I can work within Um, or, you know, and all you have to do is kind of ask that question on your contact form, or you could even put it on your services page and say like, this is the, this is what my services can range from. So whatever that looks like for you, but giving some kind of information for, I think most people is what they're looking for because they want to see that transparency and they want to see that, like, they want to be able to do their research before having to reach out instead of having to reach out to tons and tons of vendors just to get what they would consider basic information. So what are y'all feelings about that? Cause like, I don't want to just keep talking forever. (laughs) It's fair. I mean, like, like I said, I, go through and look at some, if it's a vendor I haven't worked with before, I do go to their website, one to just scope out the the work, but also to see if they do have their pricing on their website. I think there are some vendors where it makes sense. Like if your prices are pretty much set and like the cost of those like specific items kind of stay the same. I have seen photographers do more custom proposals so they find out what those what the couple is looking for and then they send like here's the number as opposed to like line iteming their stuff which I personally I'm a fan of the like when people just say here's what I need in order to give you what you want that for me is a more custom experience Mm. so and I I think that people should value themselves 
in a way that is like, here's what it costs to do my best work, regardless of what that is, rather than line iteming things and then allowing or opening the door for people to just kind of like slash a bunch of stuff. So that's my personal philosophy and why I'm so pro no pricing on websites, or at least not like the rates, the, the compromise I've come to is obviously the drop down. But like, I will still go to people's websites to just see if they happen to have it for the sake of like convenience. So I totally understand that. And I have noticed that in Austin, Austin vendors have more pricing information on their websites than our Dallas people do. I don't know what that's about. Interesting. Very curious. I'll say New Orleans is kind of like that too. Um, I've even been able to download PDFs of packages off of websites, like without having to get in contact with anyone when I'm specifically from venues in which again, products, I think my main, I have a couple of kind of like blurbs or points to make on this, but I think that products are different than services. If Mm -hmm. you have an object or a space, a rental item, you can assign a value to that, that is going to either not change or change very minimally. The whole reason that pricing is so hard to, I guess, confine for a service is because a service could fluctuate almost infinitely. Mm -hmm. There's no way to value and nor should you, in my opinion, value every single wedding as the same. People presumably approach you as a vendor, specifically planning and designing in our case, presumably you want us to treat you not like we treat everybody else. You want to feel special, unique. You want your wedding to not be a cookie cutter in every single way. Sure, there's inspiration, but we're going to take the time to invest in an experience for you that feels completely tailored to you. That can't just start after we give you a cookie cutter price and then all of a sudden everything's tailored. It's going to be tailored from point one. It's going to be tailored from the very, very beginning. So if you're looking for that type of experience, And I think Rachel and I confidently can say that we're looking for the types of clients that value a tailored experience. That value begins from the very, very beginning. And so you're going to already feel like this matters to me on the levels that it matters to you, not on the levels that I just lump everyone together and feel like no matter what wedding I'm doing, I'm just cranking these things out and they're all the same to me. That's not how I feel. And it's not how I want you to feel about your event. So I want you to understand the value that I'm placing in your event and in your family, honestly, by creating something that represents your specific needs. Mm -hmm. I think it's worth noting, too, that that does not necessarily mean that if you are someone who puts your pricing and does not allow for the fluctuation, I guess, does not mean that you're not providing a curated experience. It's just that if that's what works for your business in order to make it more streamlined for you, then that's what works. It's just, yeah, everybody's going to be a little bit different, but I do think there is a correlation between those vendors that offer a more curated tailored experience and them not wanting to put those things out there for fear that, you know, they're going to pigeonhole themselves into accidentally locking into one rate when, what they need to do their best work is something else. Yeah. I think that's totally valid. Like for no matter which side you're on, it's just like, which one do you personally prefer? Do you want things to be systematized and streamlined as much as possible? So you're not reinventing the wheel with every client. Well, then you probably need packages and set prices, you know, 
or um, on the flip side, if you're somebody who doesn't want that and you want to be, you want to be more flexible, you want to be able to work with people in a variety of a wide variety of ways, then yeah, you're going to, you're not going to be able to give people set pricing, which is kind of the trade-off. Um, and then all, another thing I wanted to mention about that is like, if sometimes you can turn away people by having your pricing listed, um, if they perceive it to be too low of a price. <laughs> so that's the other thing you need to think about if, if you're really trying to break into the luxury market or, you know, um, work with people who maybe, maybe you're wanting to push the boundaries of what you can charge right now. And you're, you're hoping to grow that then maybe don't put your pricing because you're locking yourself in there. And pricing is such a subjective thing that you never know if some people are looking at and thinking, why is that price so low? What's, what's wrong with the service? (laughs) And then, yeah, you're kind of turning away those people and then you might be locking yourself into, um, a market that you don't want to be in. So that's kind of the other thing to think about there. No, it's hard. Cause like, you never know what anybody is coming in expecting, right? We're not mind readers. And unfortunately we just have to do the best that we can because you have no idea if the person that's looking at your website is someone who's going to look at your, let's just say, you know, $7,000 starting point and say like, holy crap, that's really high. Or they're going to say, mm, that's half what I'm used to seeing for so-and-so category you just never Mm -hmm. know and it's a vicious cycle so it's so hard to predict where you're going to fall in that because there are plenty of opportunities that present themselves that are not necessarily within the typical scope of what you're expecting to put out there or here's an example I have a fantastic couple getting married next month and you know when they reached out it was you know 50 people brunch wedding we're going to have this, you know, it was very, we had our conversation. I asked what they expected the wedding to cost and they gave me a figure and I was like, okay, it's doable, but here's what that's going to look like. And they were like, oh, just kidding. That's not what we want. And (laughs) just kidding. Right. (laughs) Um, And then once I started showing them like what things cost, then they were like, okay, like, we can make that work and we're, we're okay to once they saw the value and what those numbers actually got them. But I think that based on like our initial con- conversations, like in the consultations and all that, and the, the wed MD that they had done when they expected a wedding to cost, it was a very stark difference. And I think if I had put on my website, like, you know, this is how much I'm going to cost and not explained it to them beforehand. I think they would have probably just walked, but because I had the opportunity to kind of like talk to them about these things, they're now going to have a completely different wedding than what we had originally talked about. So it's just, it's, it's hard because people just don't know what things cost. Yeah. People Mm -hmm. don't know what's feasible until they know what's feasible. I think that we talk a lot and like I specifically I'll say this like I've I've brought up that I feel like there's just this guardedness in the in the relationships again reason for the podcast that I'm seeing between clients and vendors where clients are walking into situations for whatever reason expecting to be taken advantage of and so they're coming in with they're trying to guard themselves with information which is admirable and I don't discourage it what what gets tricky about that is that you're guarding yourself with potentially incorrect information. You're guarding yourself with, with you're not willing to waver on things that you think should be the case, but 
you haven't even allowed yourself to be educated by the professionals in your region, in the region that you're getting married in, you've maybe done, like Rachel said, this wet MD, which we brought up last time is basically when you just Google the symptoms of your wedding and whatever it spits back out at you is what you take and run with as gospel instead of actually involving yourself with educated and experienced vendors who can guide you and give you a more realistic and accurate portrayal of what your event is potentially going to cost is potentially going to you know be like all that good stuff so people are thinking well I looked this up and I was told it should be this and when I'm coming to vendors and asking them what their pricing is it's more than that and therefore they're scamming me and therefore they're you know gouging gouging. basically (laughs) they're getting away with charging so much and it's like but if your wedding doesn't have the same trimmings as the budget that for the wedding that whatever it is that you looked up, that was a budget for someone's wedding, but it may not be the budget for your wedding. It may not be an accurate representation of what your desires and needs are. So that's okay. Let's talk about what your wedding budget looks like. Let's talk about what it is that, like Rachel just said, this client saw, she was very transparent and said, the budget you gave me gets you this. And they saw what the this was and said, that's not what we want. We want this. How much does what we want cost? Gave them that. And if it works for you and you can swing it, that's that's obviously the ideal situation, right? Like you you got what you wanted, but it it may cost more than you think it's going to cost, but you won't know that if you just do kind of like surface level research and like, it's not even just surface level. It's more that it's just, it's not nuanced enough. It's way too black mm-hmm. and white. It's, there's no one number that will apply to every single person's wedding in your own, even in within your city, let alone your state or your country. The American wedding, people have described America as like each state is like its own country. So like why in the world would the the numbers and the dollars, if you can't, if the same size house in Texas costs, you know, way off from the same size house in California, that applies to everything. The same size wedding in Texas costs different in California. And I will say though, like m- most of this conversation has been centered around vendors who like planners who charge a percentage of the wedding budget, or maybe like a florist that has so many different variables to take into account. It can scale in so many different directions. So that is like way more complex. But a lot of the people who I see that do not want to put prices on their website are people who actually have set prices like like a photographer and it really doesn't change um depending on the location really i mean they may they may charge an extra fee for travel but that's to be expected you know but for something like that it's like this is what you get for that package and that doesn't really change much and so for people like that i do think um it's the what I've seen them the reasons that they give is partly that people don't understand what it costs and why like you were saying like they just they don't understand why it costs that much so it might they're they're worried that it's going to turn people off just from seeing that price um and to that and to what you were just saying I would I would ask what's the solution how can we like educate the public more if the answer isn't putting your prices on your website, what's the answer? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. to be the client's sort of devil's advocate here, they don't want to have to have 
these in-depth conversations with a lot of different vendors, you know, to get that information. What's up, Kelsey? (laughs) I would like to just say in the information out there, you're asking for a very specific solution. And I understand that. I think though, that like backing that up just a little bit, there's just needs to be a restructuring of the mindset. We realize that this is a problem. Half the reason this podcast even exists in the first place is a restructuring of mindsets that are not the healthiest for anyone when it comes to wedding planning. You said earlier that pricing is basic information, you know, like people are just looking to get like checklist type information before they're even like really going deeper in with vendors. I think that in a lot of cases and something that I brought up in a previous episode, people think that what they want is basic or the norm or the standard. And because they see it so often, it feels like the information must just be readily available when really the type of wedding that most people consider as the average wedding would fall more in a premium or luxury space, but they see it often enough that it become, it starts to feel average. It feels like everyone's having that wedding. But I think you're where you're talking about Kelsey is a different part in the process. We don't get to educate them until they've already like gotten to that point. Gotten past that. Yeah. And And what point are you talking about? So like, she's talking about like we're trying to restructure a mindset and get to an educational point once they've already either are starting to work with either a planner or started to reach out to somebody but emily's point is that the basic information happens from the absolute second that someone clicks on your link and at that point they are looking for they're trying to find basic information and things like that so we're we have like there's like a no man's land between <laughs> between these right. two points that's kind of what i was saying like the the question is asking for a concrete solution but i think that people are going into like that no man's land that like ground zero for like a better term of like it's so difficult when people don't have the right idea because my point was going to be I don't know that pricing is always basic information. It's not always. You're right. It's basic not. Info. That's how, but that is what people That's expect what people it to think. be. Yeah. And I think at that point it becomes incumbent upon the vendor. If there, there's a category of people that think pricing is basic information that should be easily and readily shared. That client is ideal for a certain section of vendors. There's another category of client that doesn't think that pricing is basic information in the first place. So they're not turned off by not seeing it. They understand that it's more nuanced and that there's a lot more complexity in it. And that category of clients is ideal for a different set of vendors. I don't think, I think it goes back to what's best for you. Are you looking for people that are straightforward and streamlined? Are you looking for people that have a little more, you know, going on underneath the surface and that are willing to go there with you and to enter into that education stage or into that, you know, what the stage that I was just describing? Mm -hmm. I would also say, I think Corinne put this on my mind, invest, your wedding is an investment, an investment of money and an investment of time. So if you don't have the time, this is going to be, I guess, my controversial statement of the episode. (laughs) If you don't even have the time to reach out to people who you feel like you're connecting with, you've seen work or you've seen a website or Instagram or something, you've gotten a referral 
and there's a person who you're interested in working with, your whole wedding needs to be a dedicated investment of your time. And so sometimes you are going to have to take a few extra steps. If you're here to just clock in and clock out of wedding planning, again, that client is for a certain category of vendor and the people that are saying, we do want to invest and really take our time with finding the people that are perfect for us. And if that means that we're interested in hearing more from them before they're just shooting pricing out at us, that is a different type of client and a different type of vendor as well. I just feel okay, like we're going to break it up that way. Clients advocate though. I do agree with what you're saying and that all that has to be taken into account, but sometimes it is a matter of like, you are wasting my time because I cannot afford you. And I just didn't know that. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. that also goes back to, that also goes back to the question of like, you have to take into consideration the type of clients you want to be working with and their typical budgets and if you have a minimum, be honest about it. You know what I mean? Like, why not oh, be yeah. upfront about that at least somewhere um, in as early in the process as possible? Um, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there too. For sure. I think we need, that- need the client advocate voice in here because we are bouncing <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> because you two have such a highly custom level of service. Like, and, and that's a very particular type of client, you know, and, and not everybody is like that. And I don't want to speak for people that like I'm speaking for myself, you know, and Rachel speaking for herself. Right. I can imagine what what a person who is not offering as custom a, a type of service, who's more on a core, maybe a more of a coordinator or coordination level that looks completely different than what we're talking about. I think even me entering into the design specific sphere that gets so, so, so um, nuanced. So I I can only speak for the people that I think what I've noticed, like I said, my little controversial statement, what I've noticed is that people want and think that because they have seen something over and over that surely there's must just be like a pattern. Like there's just, there's gotta be just some real basic clean cut pricing on the things Mm. that I'm seeing. Where is it? Just tell me what it costs and I'll show you a picture of it and you can tell me what it costs. And even then, like I've totally been shown pictures of weddings and how much would something like this cost? And I'm like, I cannot just like spit that number out to you. <laughs> we, we have to, there's a lot of things that we need to know before we can give you that info. So I just feel like maybe it's worth considering that pricing isn't always, in most cases, I think, I don't think pricing is actually as basic of information as people may think it is going into it. One thing's a very good point. In some cases though, it is like Emily was saying, if you have hard set prices and it doesn't really change, mm-hmm. like, what are you, what are you not putting it out there for? Like, I mean, again, planning is kind of a funky one. I know plenty of planners that do flat rate, even though they probably could be doing the percentage model and they haven't either, you know, for one reason or another, the whole point is that this works for you. And maybe their flat rate is higher to accommodate for a scope change, you know, in the process. I don't, I don't know, but for things where there are set boundaries, you know, like let's say, for example, you're a coordinator, someone who's literally just executing the wedding and you get four meetings up to eight hours on the wedding day, you know, the, you'll reach out to all of the vendors, you'll have this, you know, if there's these really hard and set boundaries, things like that, I think it makes sense. But or same photographies, again, I'm going to con- controverse myself here a little bit. Like photography is usually a pretty set thing, but they have different packages 
and the packages is to kind of simplify things, but not, I, again, I prefer the experience where it's like, okay, I'm going to reach out to the photographer. I know in general, their pricing is within my client's budget, but what I expect to get from a proposal is the number that's associated with what my client actually needs. And that number might change, even though the actual items that they use to build into that package didn't change, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard. Like where, where? I think there's something to be said about both because we've discussed how you ha can have clients that go to a website and see a price and immediately know whether or not they are interested in the investment and potentially walk away. You've also talked about clients who go to a website and they don't see any pricing and because they don't see pricing, they walk away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It could go either way. You could have pricing and be turning clients away. You could not have <laughs> pricing and be turning clients away. There's not a there's not a blanket solution that guarantees that every single client is going to stick around. It really has to come from within. You have to dig deep and determine first things first. The first step for vendors comes before the first step for clients, obviously. So the first step for all of our vendors listening is determining what your end goal is. Are you looking for to do a lot of streamlined weddings? Or are you looking to do a few very, very intensive weddings a year? Are you looking for people who come a little more prepared? Do you want the bride that comes with the binder and everything's already organized and they essentially just want you to execute? Or are you looking for the client that is hoping to have to lean more into you, into your direction and go with the flow a little bit more? These are all things that you should be asking yourself when you're considering if you want to put your pricing on the website and then are you putting flat rate pricing, like in the situations that Rachel described, you have a very set package and you will not deviate from that package or are you a person that needs to put a starting point or are you a person that needs to put a range? Sometimes there's like, okay, it would be between this and this, but circling back to what Rachel, you said earlier, like one of the first things you said in the episode, sometimes there is more transparency and more authenticity and honesty in not listing pricing because you don't know if the client's going to come to you having seen a starting rate you understand and finally hear the scope like you've now got a conversation with them because they saw your pricing and agreed that it was doable for them it could still be a waste of time if they describe their vision to you and you realize that pricing is just so off that it no longer even applies. And the only reason they're in front of you right now is because they saw your pricing and they thought they could afford it. Now they've had a whole conversation with you and you're telling them that ain't right, girl, that's not going to work. <laughs> We're not going to be able to do it for that. And now they're feeling maybe a little bit, you know, jilted that you gave them, they were there price shopping. They shopped prices, saw yours, were interested. And now you have to kind of go back on your word. That's a scary feeling for vendors. Mm -hmm. Your word, if that's what you want to call it, which is why, again, I think pricing is just not basic in certain instances. Well, and then we're all people pleasers. So I'm sure that there are those of us out there mm -hmm. that are like, oh, you saw that number that was $8,000 less? Yeah, I can do it. Oh, that makes <laughs> like, me shake. I'm like scared. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I really should. You know, there's certain visions, there's certain venues, there's certain instances in planning that we because of our experience have gone through that we know okay moving forward certain times depending on 
where you're getting married, I have to accommodate for different things, accommodate for additional staff. I know certain venues are harder to cover. So if you come to me with one of those venues, but I have pricing on my website starting for um, maybe a more simple um, execution. And I'm like, oh, you're getting married at this place. I have to hire like twice the amount of people that I would typically expect to hire for any given wedding. There's all sorts of things to consider and it really cannot happen until the first conversation is had. So I guess that's kind of where I was going when I was saying, I feel like we need to kind of restructure mindsets Mm -hmm. because I am, I guess I'll go ahead and say I'm pro not putting your pricing on your website because I know why. And I also feel like I've been burned by having pricing readily available more than I have been burned by not having my pricing listed. Mm. I've experienced more struggle in explaining myself either explaining my pricing because there's people who still thought it was too high or you know maybe they came in for the inquiry and I've had people bold enough to ask me for a discount or what have you so I've had to do so much more reconfirming re-explaining re just the value of myself trying to prove and insist upon my own value that I figured if I was doing that anyway let's have a conversation and I will give you that from the jump I will give you that from the get-go and you'll understand it hopefully because we'll have had that conversation and it won't feel more like a fight or like a tug of war about it. It just feels like a simple, you're here because you're interested. I'm already on board with the fact that you saw enough value in my work that you just want to hear more about it. And you want to understand what it looks like. If I'm, if there's people that I'm turning away or that are looking at my website and feeling like they don't like the fact that they can't see pricing in there, they're leaving I don't, I've made peace with that. I don't particularly mind that because my goal is not to get every single client to convert that, that even puts eyes on my website. That's not necessarily my goal. Mm -hmm. Retweet. That's really interesting that you feel like sometimes having your pricing has set you off on the wrong foot at the beginning of that like conversation. There's a, there's a phenomenon that I think a lot of us have gone through of you always have to ask yourself the question, maybe more towards the beginning of your career. You're like, what am I doing that is attracting? Like, is my work, you get this, how does it go? Rachel, I feel like we've had this conversation. Oh yeah, of, no, I have couples that ask me if I do month of because they love my work and I look at my portfolio yes. that they're seeing and I'm like, what about this is making you think I did this in a month? <laughs> right, or they're they're approaching you with a certain budget which may be the number that they see but their guest count doesn't align or they're yeah. they're like oh well you you come through and I'll say for Dallas you'll see the $60,000 $75,000 budget they're like but we have 350 people and it's like no so that's where the number starts to get that is not the same number at all it is not the same number. 75,000 is not the same number for 350 that it is for 100. It's it's a vastly different number, but you see, oh, look, there it is right there. 75,000. Boom. I'm in. I'm good. I'm qualified. But there's more to talk about. There's more to be explained about that. And, and then the allocation of what that budget is going to be to your planner or to your designer. You may have that budget, But because it needs to be stretched so thin, the rate that I have to charge you because my services are the same, if not more than what they would be 
for your smaller guest count wedding. Now my rate is eating into an already kind of stretched thin budget. And that's the danger of my little, the one little qualifier I have as far as pricing goes on my website is, yeah, I have the drop down, I have those options. And then it says like, unsure of what's realistic as another option, as opposed to just being like, you know, these set number of windows. And I put it there because the second that, you know, if someone clicks that 150 to one to $200,000 range, but then they want to put like, you know, five, 600 people, if it's a three day affair over the weekend, it's like all of a sudden these things are adding up to where it's not going to be what you think, even though you hear 150 to 200,000 and it's like, oh my God, that yeah, is what should we do with it? Obscene number. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What am I going to do? Like, I don't, I don't want to let people that. down. But then the second you start getting into those details, it's like, well, some of this still might not be realistic, just depending on what those little factors are. So there is still even on mine, like wiggle room as far as I could still have to disappoint somebody. Um, Hopefully not, you know, knock on wood hasn't happened yet, but it's still, there's just so much room for, there's so much squish. There's a lot of squish. I feel like the answer, at least my answer to that question of like, what's the solution here? Like, how do we change the general understanding of like, what's to be expected with pricing? It's just communication, like everywhere and as much as possible with, with anything you can give away. Um, So even if that's just having, you know, a, a question on your website that says, why don't you list your prices? And then you answer the question and you can talk about like, well, these are all of the different, this is how I price my services, literally give them as much information as you can, as you feel comfortable with so that they know it's still a a form of transparency. And it's still like giving people that quote unquote basic information. You are giving them the basics. This is all I can give you for right now. This, these are all the things that I take into account. You don't have to give them like a math equation, <laughs> but you know, just give them an idea of why you're not able to display your pricing and how, and then you can also throw in your values into that explanation. Like this is um, like what Rachel was talking about. I appreciate, you know, the, uh, the ability to give you like a completely curated service that's only for you instead of lumping everyone into one box, like something like that. They'd be like, oh, that makes sense. That sounds good, you know? And then also carrying that communication into all of your other marketing. So maybe the answer is that we need to be talking more about like maybe, I don't know, there's different ways, like depending on what you're comfortable with, but just talking about what things cost and the the range of things that you've been working on and what that actually looks like and actually showing a breakdown of numbers that sounds pretty, pretty, uh, what's the word revolutionary (laughs) or whatever in the wedding industry, because people seem to not want to talk about that kind of thing, but it's like, why are, if you're going to hold it so close to your chest, you can't expect the people who aren't working in the wedding industry to understand all of that off the bat, you know? It is a kind of goes into the restructuring the mindset piece that I was saying like that. That is exactly what I mean when I say that whatever it is, your marketing, your Instagram, the little things that people are finding you on making it so that because just like we said, like we're thinking the main enemy here is, well, people don't know how much things cost. Well, 
I think included into that is people don't understand either why things it's not what things cause it's why they cost the thing the weight that the price that they yeah pay. why is it that price not just well what is the price well that's too much well okay that's the issue stop there it's not too much it is the value of the service or the value of the product as in like the product being your wedding or the product being whatever the finished result is of all the collaboration that's being done and I think that people's lack of understanding of why that is it makes it very hard to just summarize very quickly or to try to explain to someone on a website and the reason we did it is because of it and that's why the solution for a while was just just don't put your don't put your pricing so that they have to talk to you about it but that's no longer cutting it I think I I can Mm -hmm. agree with that Mm -hmm. just withholding the info to kind of force people into a conversation with you so that you can assert your value and and explain why Rachel said you are the way you are it's it I think it goes into creating more transparency across the board not just about what things cost which I'm all for I love seeing all the different accounts that are like here's a wedding here's what everything costs line by line just so that y'all know because it's clear that you don't know we don't think that you knowing this is necessarily going to uh, negatively affect our industry. It's actually going to help in this case. And I love the accounts that are saying the reason why things are different or that you go, you know, you're not going to get the same thing. There's no such thing as, well, this florist ch- quoted me this and I got the same exact thing with a different florist for much less and it was always the same exact thing like describing what those differences are all contributes to restructuring the mindset about just the the quote-unquote basicness of pricing and that it's not something Mm -hmm. that we can just breeze through and it's a great precursor to the fact that unless like we said you're literally ordering servings of food or you're actually ordering enough charger plates for everyone aside from those types of things you're going to have to invest some of your time in finding the right fit for you from a price and style perspective it's going to require you to talk a little bit you're gonna maybe have to take you know that day off from work or what have you just to make sure that if that's important to you of course that things are done to your liking and that they're within your means I think two things going off of that one needs to be that you have to be able to justify it shouldn't just be a sales tactic mm-hmm. not having your pricing on the website to force a conversation right like it needs to make sense that if you're not going to have it on your website you have it has to be that you know you do need to explain it to them or it needs to be you know if you do have your pricing on your website it needs to be that you know, there's not going to be a lot of deviation from that. And then obviously everything kind of in the middle, but don't do it for the sake of like, well, I heard in this business summit not to do it in order to force a conversation. And then I can sell you on things. And that is so common for anyone that doesn't know that is so common to hear that from, from I did not realize that people giving, giving business advice. Yes. That is very common. And that is why I would imagine, yes, it is very frustrating from a client's perspective to have to go through those sales calls over and over and over and over again. So 
I would say if we can mitigate some of that, then that would be great. Um, and then the second thing you, Kelsey, were mentioning the Instagram videos where they kind of do a budget breakdown that are super helpful. If anybody yeah. wants to see those, it's Maru Wedding, M-A-R-O-O-W-E-D-D-I-N-G. On Instagram, they post reels that have like a full breakdown of some of these budgets and they're kind of all over the place, which is super helpful. Um, but like geographically and budget wise, like you'll get yeah, a couple different awesome. city it's examples so... and examples of different scale of weddings. Yes. And that's the other thing, like it's so important, like you were talking about how location can have such a huge effect, like the city location or the state, like we need to, people need to be showing that, like, why not make that Right. more well-known especially on social media mm-hmm. even in um, dallas like if you're in the city of dallas that holds a lot of weight people will take like that is a premium aspect that's a premium criteria if you can say your venue is in dallas proper the second you get outside of it things are way different because mm-hmm. they can't claim dallas proper so it's and you know even your vendors in dallas proper blah 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 like all the things are different and i can just speak from like living here i couldn't I wouldn't dare like try to describe the phenomenon of other regions where it's like you have like your major cities and then you have the outskirts of those cities or things in proximity to those cities but yeah it's there's ways that being like dead in the city are going to make your wedding more and there's other things you may have to invest in by being in the outskirts because you don't have anything around you so you're like bussing people in from the city and it's just really, I love that account because it really like touches on a lot of things. On Because even on big front. city to big city, things are different. I mean, I'm always talking mm-hmm. about the difference between Dallas and Austin, let alone like, you know, Dallas to Evansville, LA. Indiana. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my San Francisco. Just recently, yeah. My cousin yeah, just recently also- got married in Evansville and it's her experience is just so vastly different from what I'm used to seeing. I was like, I don't even know oh, how to help you. um i also want to talk about something else i've seen which is that a lot of um engaged people who are looking to hire these services have complained a lot on social media lately that like as soon as they use the word wedding the price goes up that's the claim right and if we had video right now (laughs) y'all would see flailing and eye rolling unseen <laughs> okay i roll myself into another so dimension. i would love for y'all to give your your thoughts on that from your perspective but i do also want to say sometimes that's true and yet there's a good reason for it so i want to speak on that real quick because like let's say for somebody who's doing um let's say like somebody's going to do 6 hours of a photographing an event like I don't know what's another kind of event a birthday part no that's not a good example um like a like a corporate event okay Mm -hmm. and then versus if they were doing six hours of a wedding which one do you think is more precious to the client which one do you think puts more pressure on the photographer which one do you think they have to go in with a lot more training like there's there is just more risk and and money equals risk or the trade-off of risk and so if it's if you're paying more for a service then that means the that service provider is taking on more of the risk for you and that is worth something and it's and this is your wedding we're talking about so another example is like if you're a lot of um 
people who do hair or makeup or nails refuse to do weddings. Um, or if they do, it's a separate price, even if it's the same service. And that's because there is so much more pressure involved and they have so much more risk of upsetting people if they get it wrong or just having to redo things multiple times because it wasn't up to the level of perfection that people are wanting on their wedding day. So I just wanted to explain that for any potential clients who might be listening. Um, sometimes that is a thing and yet it's it's still very valid. So um, please do not try to hire a service and just don't tell them that it's for a wedding because you you could be taking on a lot more of that risk and you might you might not be as happy with the outcome because the provider didn't know what they were getting into. I love I that this run. is coming from you and not us because I feel Un-prompted. like people would have been yeah people would have been like well they're biased no Emily Wallach Lee said <laughs> I have I have had a wedding by the way and I have been that budget bride so no judgment from from anything there um but yeah that's that's how I feel about that I mean it's not- we're gonna have a whole episode on that and your commentary it, it tells me that we should have you as a guest on that episode. <laughs> yes I just I'm gonna say it yes it is more expensive because it's a wedding people are like oh it's not you know that's not the case I mean it it isn't it's not a simplification of like oh you throw a wedding in front of it and all of a sudden someone says oh I can make more money off of it that's not what it is no it is literally for a reason it is because I'm gonna be up till 10 p.m some nights talking to you about your mother who won't let go of certain things or, you know, like it's not cut and dry. You give me a baby shower. Yeah, I know I can plan that in maybe like 15 hours pretty easily. And then setup is going to be pretty straightforward, I guess, depending on the scale. But like for the most part, I know what that's going to look like. A wedding, (laughs) we're together for at least six to sometimes 15 months. And you expect me to set my salary and just say like, Hey, <laughs> this is what it is. It's mm. there's all sorts it's of things same. attached to like a wedding that just aren't attached to other types of events from a very basic level. There are meetings that you don't have for other events that you have in preparation for a wedding. And this goes for service providers and thing object providers. You're going to have more meetings about your wedding cake than you're going to have. Cause I, I feel like I've seen it specifically about cake. People are like, well, if you say it's a cake, then it's charged differently than if it's a wedding cake, which are you going to be heavily photographed with cutting this cake for any other event in this same way than you are for your wedding? This thing has to have structural integrity. Y'all insist on getting married outside in Texas. So we're going to need it to stand up for six to eight hours sometimes, depending on when the delivery window is. There is so much actual architecture honestly that goes on with wedding cakes and the expectations of wedding cakes and the decor associated with wedding cakes and again just the meeting time like meeting several times and 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 getting opinions from all sorts of different members of your family that for your baby shower birthday party corporate whatever a it's probably not going to be this like tiered the style of cake is completely different and then b it's like you have an opinion about your cake and so does your partner and so does your mom and so does your like whoever else you're bringing with you there's so much to consider and mm-hmm. that exact same template applies to every single thing that you do surrounding your wedding for like Rachel said 
sometimes a year or more, these people are in contact and in constant communication with you in preparation for this event. And then you got to yes. account for the fact that somebody's on the other end of that email every single time that you change your mind on your cake design, let alone, you know, the linen colors or whether to have the wedding party walk down the aisle in pairs or individually, like it, there's all these little things that you're going to go back and forth on. And somebody has to answer those questions for you sometimes multiple times because you forget that you talked to them about it six months ago and then you come back around to it. And it's like, these are all times and things that have to, you, you're working, you have to be fairly compensated for that. It's just not as straightforward as if you were doing it for a corporate event. Well, uh, some corporate events are pretty, <laughs> but a lot of them are rinse and repeats. So a lot of people, a lot of corporate events even hire the same vendors every single year because they just, they just are like last year, this was our budget. We're going to increase it just a bit to account for inflation. And then we're going to move right along. And it's going to be the same event. It always was. I love the corporate events that do something different every year. That's awesome. But I mean, in most people's experience, it's just a completely different level of weight because this one of them is meant to be once in a lifetime and the others aren't. Mm -hmm. um, and the others don't have the same societal, like honestly, just societal pressure and familial pressure. And the other ones aren't illustrating in over the course of a day, an entire sometimes decade of a love story. Like there's just so much at stake and just seeing the final product and saying, and like really just removing the emotion and the soul from the final product and just saying, well, that's the stuff and I want the stuff. And it should always cost one thing and one thing only. And like to Rachel's point of there's always someone answering your question. There's always someone ready at the phone. There's a whole team of people. There's a building, there's ovens to bake your cake in. There's all these things that are happening. It's not just plopped down in a room. And I just don't, I don't, people who may think of a wedding in that way, I don't. I just don't relate to. So I am, again, I feel like there's, we talk about people who think about things that way and think about pricing that way. And pricing used to be on the website and weddings, the word wedding makes things more expensive. And I'm like, there's just as many people who don't think that way. And those are my ideal client. <laughs> and I am okay with saying that. I think that there needs to be better education around the topic in general, so that there's less and less people who think in such strict guidelines of how these things go however I am really fortunate that there's that everybody that I've worked with has had that same has has been on the same page with me on that and they're out there and there's people that get it um so I try honestly my solution like for my mental health is to try not to get too hung up on the people that don't get it because the girls who get it get it <laughs> I love that know what you want and where you're trying to go. Absolutely. And who you want to work with. Well, I think that will nicely wrap us up. What a wonderful <laughs> conversation. We would love to have you back. Mm, um, no, thank you. Okay. So, <laughs> bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that no, was waiting for that. Um, either yeah, on that Kelsey topic. Kelsey knows and, I, I know. take every opportunity to um, say the opposite of whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Emily. No, you're not. <laughs> okay. I guess I'm not. Dang. Um, no, I would love to come back. We would love to have you. This has been so awesome. Thanks for sharing your knowledge and being so transparent. Thank you for 
having opinions and just you're you always you've always had such a way with words where you like can say what you need to say and make a clear point and take a clear stance but not once do I feel like oh my gosh that was so like catty or you know whatever the I know I was kind oh, of that's waiting good to for hear. it I was hoping there would be more <laughs> <laughs> dang it we told him it was going to be spicy <laughs> I mean it was, a, it was like a teeny it was a very mild spice maybe in peak and yeah parts but that's fine that's fine. Yeah. I think it was it was all encompassing, very very good conversation. I hope that vendors, you feel like you gleaned something from this. Any engaged couples or just curious listeners, I hope that this was also informative, and hopefully you now understand at least from what we can speak to why things are the way that they are. So yep. yeah. Thank you for joining us. We have finally gotten the pod up on iHeart, Stitcher, and Pandora. So we are now, <laughs> we are almost on all of them. I think there's two left that I haven't heard of. So I'm not as motivated to figure them out. <laughs> to <be totally> honest. <laughs> Hit us up if you're looking for our podcast on, I don't know, Pod Eagle, and we don't know about that. And you're like, hey, where is it? How about you get in touch with us and we'll see what we can do. Right. If you have show notes, questions, comments, concerns, indictments, feedback, and want to tell us that we are absolutely wrong on every single thing, by all means, hit up the inbox. Um, Also, please rate and review us. We would love to start getting a better reach and that'll help people find our podcast to share it with a friend that, you know, is getting married or that isn't getting married or that shares similar, you know, musings in the industry. And then you can follow all of us at Kelsey Williams Weddings and Rachel Willis Events and by Emily Jane on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. So yes, submit those indictments, y'all. Cordiallyindicted.com. We're also starting to interact a little bit more on Instagram and socials where we're going to be polling for topics for upcoming episodes. So keep your eye out for those. If there's anything that's been a burning question, we will be storing the responses from Instagram as well. But if you want a more permanent home for your note, please submit an indictment at cordiallyindicted.com. Amazing. Thanks, Emily. Thank you for having me. This was fun. We will see you again soon, I'm sure. (laughs) Bye.